My name is Tammy Zolski. I'm a long-term care planner at the law firm, and I'm certified as a Medicaid planner and a dementia practitioner. And so um, what we're going to talk about today is what if the diagnosis is dementia? And we are very excited to bring you this new seminar because we think it's very informative and it's going to help you if you are facing a diagnosis of dementia or you're caring for somebody who's facing that diagnosis. Um, so we're going to go through what dementia is first, the different types of dementia. So dementia is an illness that affects the brain, resulting in the death of many brain cells. And the symptoms do include memory loss and disorientation. It impacts your everyday activities like bathing, dressing, toileting, making decisions, and unfortunately progresses um, over time and, and worsens. And Alzheimer's disease that we're going to be talking about is one of the types of dementia. And most surprising to people is dementia is not a, a normal part of aging. And not to depress anybody, but here are some statistics on dementia. Um, as many as 6 million Americans do have dementia, and by 2050, that's projected to be about 14 million. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia and the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. And in 2016, 16 million people provided over 18.2 million hours of unpaid care to somebody with dementia. So there's a lot of people trying to do this on their own without professional help. And since 2000, deaths from dementia have increased uh, by 89%. So Alzheimer's disease is actually the most common form of dementia, and it's known by the three different stages. And so an early stage of the dementia or Alzheimer's disease is you're going to find that the person has problems coming up with the right word or name, trouble remembering names when they're introduced to new people. Uh, they experience challenges performing tasks in social or work settings. They forget materials that they've just read. They may lose or misplace valuable objects like their purse, their wallet, things like that, um, and increase problems with planning and organizing. So you might find that somebody in the early stages is hard, having a hard time putting together meals, um, or if they're still working, following those tasks and getting things done. By middle stage, people are going to start to recognize that, uh, that there's something wrong um, because that person's going to exhibit forgetfulness of events about their own personal history. Um, they, they're going to start to feel moody or withdrawn, especially in social or mentally challenging situations. Where they don't really know what to do or say. Um, they're going to also have problems recalling their own address or some life history things like where they went to school, uh, family members, all of those kinds of things. And then they're also going to have um, disorientation with where they are or what day of week it is. Um, in the middle stage, you're also going to notice that the person is struggling with uh, choosing appropriate clothing for the season. Um, some people have problems with bladder or bowel control. Uh, and then most people are going to have problems with sleep pattern changes, uh, where they might be up all night long and sleep all day. And then in some individuals, they have a problem with uh, getting lost or wandering. 
And then you're also going to notice a lot of personality and behavioral changes, things like suspicion, delusions, um, some things like behavioral, uh, things like hand wringing or tissue shredding or shadowing caregivers. If somebody gets to the late stage of this disease, they are gonna really need round-the-clock assistance with their daily activities and personal care because they will have lost awareness of, um, of all the, the tasks that they need to do and their surroundings. Um, and they may get to the point where they can no longer uh, walk and they might need to be wheelchair-bound or, or bed-bound and they will have problems uh, communicating, and they can become very vulnerable to infections because they can't communicate what their needs are. So if you are caring for somebody who has de dementia or Alzheimer's, it's really important to take care of yourself. And I can't stress this enough, but you know, if you are caring for somebody, you have to take care of yourself so that you can be an appropriate caregiver for them. Um, and so some tips on that would be to be proactive. Learn as much as you can about the disease, as much as you can about how you can take care of yourself. There are some great resources that we'll be sharing with you today from the law firm. And in, in addition to that, you can contact the Alzheimer's Association and they have a lot of wonderful materials that you can read. Also learn to relax, um, you know, whether that be meditation or prayer, or walking, whatever it is that works for you, um, take the time to do that. Take the time to take care of your health. And this is so important because we see so many caregivers who uh, neglect their own medical needs because they're caring for somebody with dementia, and then they get to the point where they can't provide that care anymore. And then, you know, find out that there are strength in numbers. So we'll be talking about some professional helpers that can help you in this process. And then also, this is so important. Remember that the chronic disease does have a way of changing relationship roles. And this is probably the most challenging thing for people because your spouse may no longer recognize you as their spouse or a parent may no longer recognize you as their child. Um, I remember my grandmother, who suffered from Alzheimer's for more than 10 years, got to the point where she didn't know who we were, and when we called her gram or mom, she would say, I'm not your grandmother. Um, and so we just started to introduce ourselves to her every time we met as her friend, and, and that seemed to, to help the visits go better. Um, remember that role changes become more dramatic as the dementia progresses. So, um, and this again, you know, reiterates the, the change in role. Um, and the strain on relationships can really be a result of the, the sign of stresses. So if, um, if the caregiver themselves are dealing with the stress and they're not getting the right sleep, um, they can become anxious, depressed, and irritable. And you got to remember the person with the dementia diagnosis is going to mirror some of those things. So if you're not taking care of yourself and you're getting frustrated, they're going to in turn be frustrated. And they don't have the coping uh, mechanisms to be able to deal with that. So some of the caregiver stress signs would be, again, anxiety, depression, irritability, feeling tired and run down, difficulty sleeping, new or worsening health problems trouble concentrating, 
um, cutting back on your own leisure activities, neglecting responsibilities like paying bills or making uh, healthy meals, overreacting to, to minor nuances, and feeling increasingly resentful. So if you are a caregiver and you've gotten to that point, it's so important to reach out for help so that you can uh, recover from that and, and be the best caregiver possible. So some tips to help with that is again, to take one day at a time, just focus on the here and now, learn how to relax, combat ne negative moods by sharing your negative feelings. Um, being part of a support group is a really great way to do that and learning that you're not alone in the process and that other people are experiencing the same things that you are. Um, there are online support groups. So unfortunately right now we can't meet with people, but there is a way for you to um, meet with people online to, to talk about these feelings. Get enough sleep and lots of sunlight. Now again, that's really hard to do if your loved one is up all night, um, but that's where getting professional help so that you can get your sleep um, would be important. And then getting enough exercise and physical activity. And some additional things that would help you, and again, I'm gonna refer back to the Alzheimer's Association because they have some really great examples. And these are some of them here. Um, but try not to argue, instead agree. So if your loved one says something that is not factual, just remember that in their um, process, it is factual to them. So you just wanna agree, you know, it's better for you not to get into an argument with them because it's not gonna result in any sort of positive outcome. Rather than reason, try to divert or change the subject. So you can say, oh, look, it's sunny out. Let's go look at these flowers. You know, try to find something positive to try to divert them, um, especially in situations where maybe they think you've stolen something from them. You can say, well, let me help you find that. And then you can go and help them find it and hopefully distract them into something else along the way. Try not to lecture, but, but reassure. And then I really like this one because uh, this one's hard for us to do. We always like to say, remember that time that we did something? Instead, what you should do is reminisce. And you can say, one time I went on a family vacation. And if they're at the point where they really don't know who you are, you can say what you did on that family vacation um, without making them feel like they have to remember that. Uh, don't say that I told you so. Instead, repeat, repeat and regroup. Um, and try not to say things like, you can't do that, but tell them what they can do. Um, you know, so one of the things that I find that caregivers really struggle with is how do you um, get somebody to understand that they need to take a shower, for example. So instead of saying, uh, do you want to take a shower, say, it's time for us to get ready for the day, and then just walk them along the process instead of laying out the, the whole thing that needs to be done. Just take it step by step. And then it's so important to let other people help. And uh, we are not people that, that like to rely on others, but you can't do this alone. So you have to remember that, again, there's really help in numbers. So if somebody offers to help, let them help in whatever way that they can. So if that means that they'll sit with your loved one while you go grocery shopping or while you take a walk, accept that help. Look to your existing support systems, so your families, your church, social, 
social groups and friends. And then when you need to seek professional help from your primary medical care um, or counseling or support groups. So some care options that we can help you with here at the law firm would include things like looking at private duty in-home care, adult day programs that you can take your loved one to and then they can come home at the end of the day. Uh, there are some Medicare funded home health services that we can educate you on. Assisted living facilities are really great places where if somebody can no longer live at home and maybe they're in early or middle stages, they could live in that type of environment. Uh, continuum care facilities are great because somebody can start out at one level and then move on to the, the final level of skilled nursing. We can also talk with you about options for family caregivers who want to live together, like a child moving in with a parent and uh, care agreements that go along with that. So some legal documents that we would advise you on. Um, there are also a lot of ways to keep your loved ones safe if they are wandering um, or they're having problems remembering things. So home medical systems, door alarms, medication reminders, and we can help you with that here at the law firm. And then if somebody does get to the end stage of the disease, hospice services would also be an available thing to look at. Some additional professionals that can help you in this process would be an aging life care professional. This is really beneficial if children live far away from their parents and they're trying to manage their care from afar. Um, this would be uh, like a care manager or a social worker who would help along the way with making sure that the appropriate services are in place. Um, and then the Area Agency on Aging has some great supports out there. There's a family caregiver support program that actually reimburses you if you hire caregivers or you pay for adult day. Um, and there is, that's a, sh a small amount of money per month, but if you just needed a little bit of help, that's a great program. If you really needed a lot more help, then the nursing home waiver program that's at the bottom here would really be the most appropriate because that could provide a lot of hours of in-home care. Now the Office of Aging is involved in that, but they no longer manage that in our state as of um, uh, about a year and a half ago. So that is something that we can guide you on and help you with. Transportation services are available through the Office of Aging, home delivered meals, senior centers, and then in some situations they can help with light uh, homekeeping or personal care services. A neurologist or a neuropsychologist um, would be a great professional to get in touch with. I'll touch on that in a few seconds. Um, and an elder law attorney would really be able to help you to get your legal planning in place uh, in advance of the crisis or while you're in the crisis to make sure that everything's in place so that you've got good decision makers and you're protecting as much of your assets as possible. Now the purpose of a neurologist and a neuropsychologist is that they're gonna give you an appropriate diagnosis. You know, you might go to your family care physician and the caregiver starts telling the, the, the medical doctor, you know, what they're seeing. You know, without an appropriate diagnosis, we really don't know what this dementia is. And you'll see that there are many forms of dementia. So you wanna make sure that you have the accurate, appropriate diagnosis so that they can give you the right treatment. 
which can really help in slowing the, the progress of the disease and make things a little bit easier for everybody. So not all dementias are the same. So we did talk about Alzheimer's disease and that is the most prevalent form of dementia. The second most prevalent form is multi-infarct dementia. Um, you're gonna see that after a major stroke where somebody is gonna be disoriented, have problems with speaking or balance, um, and this, unfortunately, is underdiagnosed, um, and it is also known as a vascular dementia. The third most common form is Lewy body dementia, and the person with that is going to have a decline in thinking, reasoning, independent functioning, um, and they're going to experience symptoms with their movement, hunched posture, uh, problems with their muscles, and shuffling the walk. The fourth most common form is Parkinson's disease dementia, and they're gonna experience a de decline in thinking and reasoning at least a year after being diagnosed, and it affects mental functions associated with memory and the ability to pay attention and make sound judgments. And other forms of dementia would be frontotemporal dementia and Huntington's disease. Okay, so that includes our uh, tutorial on dementias and um, what you need to know about that.